it's impossible to label what is impact unless you start to think about what do you actually want to influence. But the human is so central to that conversation. Welcome to the Solar Podcast, the podcast from the Society for Learning Analytics Research, Solar. In this podcast series, we have conversations with guest speakers to engage the wider community with leading research practice and key issues in learning analytics. I'm Ishan Tsai from the University of Edinburgh, the host for this show. The topic we are discussing today is measuring the impact of learning analytics. We all know that learning analytics is a young but fast-growing field. As we are about to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the field in Frankfurt, it's important that we take some time to think about what we have achieved with learning analytics and where the evidence of impact is. I have the great pleasure to welcome two special guests to share their experiences on this topic. Dr. Linda Corin from Swinburne University in Australia and Professor Bart Brintas from Open University in the UK. I'll let them introduce themselves. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be here. And um, yeah, if, if I think, what, what do I actually do at the Open University? The Open University has over 170,000 students, mostly studying at a, at a distance. And all our materials, all our activities are mostly done and designed in a particular way to facilitate our learners. And of course, we're very interested to identify are our learning materials well designed, are our teachers doing a great job or not, but in particular also are our students learning. So when you talk about what is impact, I think it's really interesting to unpack all the different layers. Of, of this. You could start on an individual level, you could start to think about, okay, do, am I improving my learning? You could start to think about on a module level, are my students within my module improving? Or you could even think within a whole organization. And to me, it's, it's impossible to label what is impact unless you start to think about, okay, what do you actually want to influence? And um, I think it's a really exciting question that I work a lot with. Hi, I am an Associate Professor of Learning Analytics at Swinburne University of Technology in Melbourne, Australia. I've just moved into this role, actually. I've spent the last 12 months working on a whole bunch of transforming learning projects. And uh, I'm really excited to now move into that field of learning analytics to see how the institution can start to take advantage of some of the data that we have access to and hopefully be able to sort of build up a learning analytics agenda for the institution. Bart, um, earlier just uh, also shared with us uh, about your views on this topic, the impact and um, a little bit um, definition of it as well. I was wondering if, uh, Linda, you would like to share with us how you would define impact. And Bart, please feel free to add a bit more here, how you would define impact for learning analytics. I think that Bart really stuck, uh, sort of hit the nail on the head uh, there in terms of impact being lots of different things. So sometimes impact can get bogged down a little bit in uh, conversations around learning analytics uh, in terms of just performance. You know, we, we use learning analytics and students' performance improved or got worse or something like that. But I think it's a lot more complex than that. I think there's a lot we can do to understand what we mean by impact, you know, what sort of effect have the learning analytics had 
Uh, again, as Bart said, it also affects not just on a single stakeholder group. So we're not just talking about what students do, but we're also talking about what the institution does, how the teachers design, how we support our students, and not just teachers supporting students, but everybody who does a support role across the university. So I think impact is a really interesting thing to look at, and it's also a very difficult thing to measure. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think what is what is what might be impact for some, as Linda said, yeah, just an increase in performance might actually be something very negative for others. So you could, for example, I mean, I mostly use the effect behavior cognition model in my own way of thinking. We could have an amazing performance, but that student could be extremely stressed by the experience by continuously having to push him or herself. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that you see an amazing uptake of behavior in terms of, yes, I'm logging in every day because my learning analytics metrics encourage me to log in every day, but that could have a very negative effect on, on kind of your attitudes and your emotions. So it's, it's really interesting when people say to me, how do you know it works? I'm always asking the question, well, what do you want it to do? And that's very difficult to unpack until you basically get a clear understanding of where your customer, your person with whom you're working with, well, how they define impact, then you can start to unpack that onion and most of the times you actually find things which you didn't expect. Hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting that both of you have mentioned this idea that we need to first think about the question, who we are talking about here in terms of impact. Um, so I was wondering, in your areas of work, have you observed evidence that shows positive or negative impacts of learning analytics on learning? Any examples that you could share in your own um, area of work? Yeah, if I maybe start, in, uh, so I started the Open Universe in 2014 and we had this amazing idea, let's work with teachers and let's see how they make sense of data. And by working with teachers, we were thinking about, okay, how can we design dashboards? How do we make sense of all this data? And so we met those teachers in, in monthly sequences and we basically discussed with them, hey, why are these students doing really well in this week, but perhaps not so well in other weeks? And based on those conversations, we started to look into the learning design and some teachers actually started to change the learning design. And then a year or two later, we could then show, oh yes, in this one magical module, a retention rate up retention rates went up with 10% and of course we claimed that this was due to amazing interventions and because we talked to the teachers but if you look deep down into the complexities of learning there could be hundreds of reasons why there is like a 10% increase in retention of course the nice thing is if you do this consistently across a range of modules then you can start to see a kind of I call it a kind of scatter plot of change where you can see if lots of modules who have been working with us see you have a positive effect, you can start to think, oh, maybe there's a trend. But I would never say that, for example, analytics fraction led to that change unless you really start to unpack the underlying factors. So it's very easy to just compare pre-post between two conditions. But whether it's actually the 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 intervention that made the difference is, I think, very difficult to really pin down. Mm. Well, talking of learning design, I know that Linda has done a fairly uh, large amount of work in this area. Uh, would you like to share with us your thoughts on this? Sure. Uh, I guess, I mean, in, in a very similar uh, vein to what Bart was talking about, we, we were looking at what 
do teachers want to know uh, about what their students are doing? So, uh, I mean, a lot of the early work that I did at the University of Melbourne, where I was previously, was just going out to people saying, well, what would help you to improve how you teach or how you support or how you design learning for students? And, uh, and of course, in those days, because we're going back to sort of 2013 there, a lot of them said, well, we don't know. We don't know what's available. We, we don't know what we can really think about at this stage. And, uh, and so we, we set about to try and sort of suggest some of the things that they might find useful to their practice. And uh, I was involved in a, a national project here where we developed the, the loop tool, which was a, a tool that we wanted to uh, let people use to, to see and to explore the data that um, their students were generating. And so, but a lot of it, as, as you say, comes back to learning design. So when we're talking to the teachers about what they want to know, we really need to say, well, what, what have you designed? Why did you design it this way? What did you expect? your students to do. So, you know, in the literature, they talk about pedagogical intent. What was the pedagogical intent behind what you, um, you've designed for your students? And then how does the behaviour that you're observing relate to the behaviour expected to observe? But I think that that also applies, and the learning design debate also applies to students. So a lot of the work that we've done has been looking at, well, what happens if you give students this data? And, you know, getting into, the, again, the, that dashboard type area that, uh, again, Bart mentioned before about dashboards being one way that we do tend to deliver data to students and to teachers quite regularly. We really tried to unpack what did this data mean to students? What kind of um, influence did it have on their self-regulation? Uh, what kind of metacognitive strategies did they try to apply in, uh, in seeing the kind of data that we were able to provide to them and, uh, and what sort of effect that had both on their motivation and ultimately we were trying to get it at uh, what effect it had on their learning, but learning is such a, a difficult thing to measure. Hmm. I want to build on what you just said, that learning is very difficult to measure. So what criteria should we use to measure the impacts of learning analytics? Yeah, again, I think it really depends on the kind of questions you're asking. So, for example, at the EOP University, when we used, when we started to use predictive learning analytics, so basically identifying which students might do really well and which students might have a need for a little bit more support, how do we then know that providing these data to teachers actually has an impact? And the nice thing in a way about learning analytics, on the one hand, you could say, well, you had the teachers before they used learning analytics and you have the same teachers um, but then using learning analytics afterwards. So there is a kind of nice quasi-experimental design possibility. And for example, we um, showed with work um, from the Knowledge Media Institute and Christothiera Dotto, we showed that when we looked at a thousand teachers over a period of four years, we could see if teachers really engaged with learning analytics, so seeing not only they logged in, but they really engaged with it, that we could see a positive effect on, um, on students' retention, comparing that group of teachers with the previous group of the same teachers who didn't have learning analytics. But of course, there is something which many, I think, um, researchers ignore, is that as soon as you give this data to teachers, they also become different teachers. So the interesting thing is we can show that, yes, there is a difference in terms of retention, giving teachers these data, but um, it's, it would be too simplistic to say it's just the data that made a difference. 
So I think it's um, it's a great opportunity because of all this data, but at the same time, you have to be super critical to unpack, okay, is it really the predictive learning analytics or is it the training with the predictive learning analytics or is it kind of the mindset that teachers know that are being monitored that encourages them to do this? So it's, it's it probably asks more questions than it answers. Well, for the studies that we've done with students, uh, a lot of the time we were really evaluating impact in terms of whether or not the students were able to meet their own personal learning goals. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, it wasn't possible in the sorts of studies that we did to do that AB of uh, testing type scenario and also to kind of um, to compare previous performance with future performance or anything like that. So we asked the students uh, what were they aiming to achieve in their learning. So I think we always assume that every student wants to get 100% or wants to get a high distinction. And so what we tried to do in our studies was say to the, to the individual student, you know, what are you aiming for? And then we looked at how they then use the analytics to achieve that goal. And in some cases, they were quite successful in doing that. And uh, in other cases, sometimes the analytics actually distracted them from their personal learning goals. So we tried to measure impact and to understand how students were thinking about analytics in terms of their learning from a self-regulation point of view. So it wasn't just the ultimate goal, uh, sorry, the ultimate mark or performance, but also how they approached their study, um, how they interpreted the tasks that they had to do, how they managed their time, you know, all those different strategies that go into helping students to be effective learners. Mm. Sorry, I'm digesting what you're saying. It's just very interesting <laughs> that both of you are coming from very different perspectives. And, you know, you clearly have, have been doing a lot um, around self-regulated learning um, domain. And, um, and Bart, you have worked with really like large cohorts of students and looking at impact. I was just still thinking about these um, human factors that uh, Bart was also saying earlier that it could potentially be sort of creating noises when we are deciding what really the impact is and does, is it really something coming from the tool or is it something coming from the people who are using the tool I, I don't know if it's actually easy to separate this at all I don't know in your view should we separate human factors from this when we are measuring impact is there any value in considering human factors in this process? I, I think we need to really take note of the human factors. I think mm. that there's an awful lot that, that happens around a learning environment, uh, both from what the teacher does as well as what the, the student takes from the environment. And I think that, I mean, one of the ways that we used analytics for a project I was involved in many years ago, we, we actually took a, a group of teachers through a, an online subject. So it was a subject called designing a curriculum. And we got them to do the entire subject as students. Um, and then we gave them the analytics about what they'd done. And so they understood what the learning design of that subject was because they'd been students in it and they'd experienced that learning. But at the end of the, the subject, we said to them, well, have a look at this data, so anonymized, obviously, um, but have a look at this data and see what you think you would do differently if you were teaching this subject. So for us, the impact was really just trying to get them to reflect and think, well, if I was in the situation where I had to make a change, knowing what I know about this particular design, what would I do? 
to make this design more impactful. So I think impact sort of, it's at the beginning and at the end, I guess, of, of the conversations around how we talk about analytics in terms of learning design. And I think that that's, you know, that's why it's so interesting. And I think that we, we do so much research in this area because there's so much to understand, but the human is so central to that conversation. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think what is interesting from Linda's narrative is that most of her research is in the, is in the kind of interjunction between students and teachers at the OP University, we've made a conscious decision not to give data to students. Um, but in one of our European projects, we compared um, 25 so-called virtual exchanges between different universities where over a thousand students learned over a certain period of time, a new language or a new skill. And what was really interesting was um, if you look at the pre-post test, for example, in terms of TPAC, which is technology knowledge, or look at intercultural skills, we could see that, yes, there's a positive trajectory. Oh, it's, it worked. Uh, pre-post test showed that it worked. But at the same time, what we then did, we had one control group of around 200 students who we also just measured during the same period. And we found actually no difference. And I think what is really interesting in this kind of narrative is that um, people really want to believe that um, a large intervention has a positive effect. And it may have a positive effect when you go more in kind of qualitative analysis, and maybe we can talk about it a little bit later. But I think often in these kind of designs, even when you do pre-post tests, you might find, oh, it's a very positive or a very negative effect. But given that very few studies also include control conditions, it's actually really difficult to know is it the intervention or is it just something else? And um, so I'm really excited to hear more about uh, your work on that, Linda. I, I actually think I, I would say the opposite to that as well in the fact that a lot of the studies that we've done um, have been in situations where we've worked with a very small group of students and mm -hmm. it hasn't really been an authentic learning uh, opportunity. So at, at neither of the institutions I've worked at recently, have we actually given analytics to students? Um, each time we set up a study to give it to students, but it wasn't available to all students. So I think one of the, the limitations that some learning analytics studies have had previously have been that we haven't had the opportunity to test this out in the wild and to really get a sense of what's the impact when we take it beyond a relatively, I won't say it's a completely controlled environment, but a, a relatively controlled environment. So I think that that's, that's important. But I also think one of the impacts that we don't talk enough about, and I know it is part of the, the learning analytics conversation, is also the impact from an ethical perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what are we doing with this data? Who has access to this data? And what does it mean when we give this data to the different stakeholders involved in all of these processes? Because sometimes it can be very, very helpful, very, very positive, as you say, but in some cases it could actually be quite dangerous. Mm. And I guess often in the um, educational field, it's often an ethical question when it comes to setting up a control group and experimental group. Bart, would you like to share with us how this could be overcome, especially in your context, given that you have quite a lot of experience running this kind of experiment? So one trick you could do is this kind of delayed treatment effect. So the, the, the groups that were in the control condition in this Evaluate project they were basically enrolled in the next semester to the kind of treatment. So then in a way you could say, okay, 
we don't really know if the effect of this intervention is positive or not, so they both get the same treatment, so that's one way um, to do it. I think it's, it's, it's quite a difficult issue that I internally also struggle with. We have certain modules where uh, we have a quite high dropout rate, and when I continuously say, well, maybe we should do some kind of intervention and use a kind of A-B design, the, the natural reaction by teachers and also senior managers is, yeah, but we don't know if that works and it might disadvantage. And the kind of classical medical narrative in this as well, but if 50% of your patients die anyway, then it's probably unethical to not try a different treatment. And this is very simplistic because it's really important to understand the underlying reasons why there could be a high um, dropout rate. So it's, it's really interesting. And I think beyond the kind of numbers of retentions, you really have to look at the kind of individual journeys. So for example, in some of our, of this, of the same project that I was referring to previously with this um, virtual exchange, we found some students didn't learn anything, but still had a very positive social engagement opportunity to talk to people from different parts of the world. So you could on the one hand argue the intervention was a failure, but on the other hand, it could be a success. So it's all about, okay, who, who sets the narrative of what impact should we measure? So it could be a, a success according to some, or it could be a complete failure according to others. And by being open about this, I think we can have a proper debate about what is impact. Hmm. Have you come across um, this a similar ethical dilemma when setting up experiments? Uh, not specifically. I, I did come across a, a dilemma uh, where I was asked to justify the rollout of learning analytics in terms of financial impact. So I was working at an institution where retention wasn't so much a, a problem. We, we had a reasonably good uh, rate of keeping our students involved and, and doing well in the in their studies. So when we went to make the argument that we wanted to bring in learning analytics to try and help improve the educational experience for students, it was a really difficult argument to make because the institution was saying, well, what's the financial benefit? You know, if we spend this money, what's the impact that we're going to see for this money? And I think that's, that's always a challenge when you've got a, a group of students who are doing well. Uh, but you want to help them do better. And so, you know, ethically, do we just ignore them because they're, you know, they're already okay when we could actually be improving their, their experience and uh, the way that they experience their, their, you know, their time at university, which is something that I think is, is key. Right. Apart from all these we have just discussed, are there any other common issues or challenges that you have come across when evaluating the impact of learning analytics? I think one thing that I, that, that all of this work that I've been doing has made me realise is that when we're trying to use something like performance in an assessment as a measure of impact of learning analytics, we really need to be confident in the reliability and the validity of that assessment design. And I think that's been one of the biggest challenges because we are getting our students to do lots of things in their studies in our classes and yet sometimes the assessment isn't very well aligned to what we've been getting them to do. So if we're taking analytics on their activity throughout a semester, but then measuring it with a, an instrument that is sort of looking at something different, mm -hmm. uh, then it's, it's really problematic because you can't really say that that's a, a good indication of whether or not there has been impact. So I think what a lot of the work that I've done 
over the last few years has made me realise is that we really need to get back to how we design, how we understand pedagogy, um, how we actually develop our staff. Um, so I, one of my things I'm quite passionate about at the moment is how do we actually build up a, a really good professional development program or regime or opportunities, I guess, for, for staff to really lift the whole quality of education at the institution using the analytics, but also for the analytics. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that we need professional development on the different levels. So when I have to go to senior management and show the impact, they're just looking, okay, what's the percentage increase in retention? I'm just over-exaggerating a little bit. And then when I go to uh, boards of studies or when I go to within faculties or go to teachers, they're much more interested in the wants. Okay, what did that teacher do? How did he or she redesign the course? How do you know that the students actually really engage in this particular way? And when I then go to the respective teacher, he or she might ask completely different questions than the people on senior management. And I'm not saying that senior management is right, I'm not saying that the teacher is right, but I think they're all using different language. And what I struggled with initially um, was um, which language should I use for which group and how should I sell it to the different stakeholders. And I think in the end there is no magic uh, recipe. I think the only way that you can get a better understanding of impact is by having the conversations and trying to see what the people actually want. And um, yeah, it can be um, quite frightening as well. I think that's one of the, the negative stories that we've learned over time is even if we can show, you know, our retentions are going up with 10%, there was a lot of resistance within the OP University because they were, teachers were afraid that we were monitoring them or that they became robots, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's also trying to get a deep understanding of the kind of cognitive and emotional factors that drive people and I think with appropriate professional developments, we could really, you know, create a kind of win-win situation. And I think probably initially I was not very well aware of these. I was thinking about impact also in terms of how we can use analytics to make impact on research and things like the development of learning theory and, uh, and really exploring more about how we do design for learning and also how learners learn. So I think that that's one area, I know there was a paper at LAC last year uh, by Dawson and his friends who uh, basically said that there's been a lot of work done in learning analytics, but, but a lot of it hasn't really got to that impact towards theory yet. And I think that that's something that is uh, an exciting possibility for the future. Great. Well, thank you both for this very interesting conversation on uh, measuring the impact of learning analytics. Our audience and myself have learned a lot today from you both. So thank you again. And here's something that we have also been waiting for, two truths and a lie game. As the name suggests, our special guests will give us three statements, one of which will be lie. We invite our audience to guess which statement is a lie and tweet about it using hashtag SolarSpotLight on Twitter. And the answer will be announced in the next episode. In our last episode, we had Hendrik Draxler and the others with us. And here's the answer of his two truths and a lie. The three things that I mentioned was one, all student supporters will wear lederhosen and dirndls as it is German tradition. Second, during the day, Frankfurt has twice as many peoples as in inhabitants. And three, the university building was also known as the headquarter of the CIA and the Pentagon of Europe. The lie actually of these three is 
that not the students will wear the lederhosen and the dirndls because um, that's only by Bavarian country um, where they do so. And we will be in Hessen. And so Germany has multiple um, subcultures and that's not one of the cultures that belongs to us. Now, here we go with two truths and a lie with Linda Curring and Bart Rintes. Okay, so the first one is, I have been involved in over 100 amateur theatre productions. Uh, my second one is, I once gave up my seat for Michael Keaton on a flight from New York to Los Angeles. And the third is, I have attended every Australasian Learning Analytics Summer Institute ever held. Hmm. Ooh, oh, God, I would love to know which one is actually not true. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you that. Okay, Bart, would you like to share with us your statements? Yeah, of course. Um, so as a professor of learning analytics, I know how to program in R. Um, two, I um, love playing games on the PS4. And three, as a keen cyclist, I'm a world champion. Hmm. I think the R one is the, is the lie. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> okay, great. Thanks for such an inspiring conversation today. And for our audience, if you would like to continue the conversation, please tweet us at Solar Research using the hashtag Solar Spotlight or post a comment at our podcast channel on SoundCloud. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast which is available through both iTunes and Spotify. I would like to take this opportunity to draw our audience's attention to a special issue on AJED, Australian Journal of Educational Technology. This special issue is Learning Analytics, Pathways to Impact, edited by Linda Corinne, Dragan Gesevich, and Marion Scheffel. We are also seeking feedback on the podcast series, Solar Spotlight. If there's any topic particularly interesting to you, or if there's anything we can improve on, please tweet us. Music